Hello, listeners. Welcome back. Much like the cordyceps fungus, you can't keep a good pod dormant. I'm Christian Spicer, the host of the official The Last of Us podcast. And, well, you know what that story means to me. I was lucky enough to experience the first episode of HBO's incredible adaptation of my favorite video game of all time. If you've already watched episode one of the show, you can keep listening for a short clip from episode one of the Audio Companion podcast. And then go subscribe to HBO's The Last of Us podcast for the full episode. HBO's The Last of Us podcast is hosted by Troy Baker, a.k.a. Joel from the video game version. And Troy is joined every episode by showrunners Craig Mazin and Neil Druckmann. You can stream new episodes of the HBO original series Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern on HBO Max. And keep your ears on this feed as well, because we'll be dropping an intimate chat between Mr. Neil Druckmann and myself on Tuesday, January 17th, all about re-encountering this world and bringing this incredible story to an even larger audience, bringing The Last of Us to HBO. than any of us could have ever imagined. Welcome to the official podcast for HBO's The Last of Us. I'm your host, Troy Baker. First, a little setup to help contextualize these conversations. The Last of Us is a new original series from HBO based on the critically acclaimed video game of the same name. This game was made by the studio Naughty Dog and originally released in 2013. I'm joined by showrunners Craig Mazin, Hello. And Neil Druckmann. Hey, Troy. And as showrunners, Craig and Neil have remarkable insight into how each episode was made and what went into shaping the key moments that we're going to unpack. But each of us have a unique perspective on the series because of our involvement with the game. Craig, writer and director, is approaching as a fan who was so moved by his experience that he wanted to adapt it for television. Neil co-president of Naughty Dog, was one of the creators of The Last of Us, and myself, an actor who played Joel in the game. Now, this is a weekly podcast which airs after every episode airs, so this will be a very spoiler-heavy conversation. So we definitely encourage you to watch the episode and then join us for the conversation afterwards. Before we get too into the weeds, maybe we could help kind of set up Neil, your involvement and the games that we'll be referencing. Yeah, so my name is Neil Druckmann. I was the creative director and writer on the original Last of Us game that came out in 2013. The genre was a survival action game. It's a story that takes place in a post-apocalyptic world that has been ravaged by a cordyceps outbreak. And we follow Joel Miller in the Boston quarantine zone where Joel is a black market smuggler and he gets tasked with transporting Ellie, who's special for some reason, across the United States. We wanted to make an experience that really explored the 
unconditional love a parent feels for a child? How can we construct a story that through its interaction, through its characters, through the relationship, through music, through everything we have at our disposal, make you feel the wonderful and horrible things that can come out of love? Yeah, you know, when we wrote that show Bible, show Bible is just a long outline, basically. Right there on the front page, I think we said, this is a love story. And that's not good because what we wanted to dig into is the theme that came out of the game that I mean Naughty Dog, Neil's company made The Last of Us. They made The Last of Us Part Two. They made Left Behind, which came out in between those two games. Throughout those games, and I think throughout our series, we will continue to come back to the notion that love conquers all. And that's problematic, that we think of love as this solely positive thing. A beautiful thing and it is but love especially the love that a parent has for a child is primal and it can lead to the most intense fear and the most intense fear can lead to the most intense behavior including violence and if you scratch the surface of tribalism racism xenophobia you will find love love is not always good and when we talk about this show and as we go episode by episode, we're going to meet people that love each other over and over and over. And we're going to see this dynamic play out over and over and over. What brought this about? Was this kind of the agents talking to each other? Was this a Twitter romance? Like what, what, how did this come to be? Actually, it's our uh, mutual friend for all three of us, Shannon Woodward. So while working on Last of Us 2, she's uh, one of the cast members of that game. She made an introduction for me and, and, and Craig. And, you know, at the time, I'd already had one failed uh, version of trying to adapt this into a movie where it just, to put simply, it was too big, too big for a movie script. And no matter how hard I tried, I just could not crack it. So there was still conversation about, is there no way to approach it a, a different way? And so that conversation is happening. And then I eventually watch Chernobyl and I'm blown away by it. It's one of the best TV shows I have ever seen. And then I find out, oh, it's this guy that Shannon introduced me to that I haven't had a chance to have lunch with yet. So I immediately want to meet Craig now that I've seen Chernobyl. After I played The Last of Us, I was just in awe of the game. I was in awe of Neil. I didn't know him, so he just seemed like this mysterious sage on a mountain somewhere that I could not approach. But as the years go on, I become friendly with Shannon. I hear that she's working on The Last of Us Part Two. I'm obsessed. And she says, you know, you and Neil would be best friends. And I'm like, awesome. <laughs> How do I do that? And she goes, well, <laughs> you know, he's sort of shy. It's kind of hard to get through to him and he's really busy. And I'm like, okay, well, I would just love, you know, at any point to just sit down with him and, and just tell him how much I love what he's done. And at the same time, Sony had been talking to me about, hey, here are all these games we have. Which one of these do you think could be a good game to adapt? And I'm like, mm, I don't see The Last of Us on here. And they're like, eh, that one, Neil's doing that one. I'm like, eh, I get it. And then around the time that Chernobyl came out, the adaptation rights for The Last of Us reverted back to Naughty Dog and Neil. And he saw Chernobyl and it all just kind of came together. Uh, and we meet up for lunch next to Naughty Dog and we just chat and compliment each other. I get to gush about his work. 
And then, you know, he's just, I'm really curious about the process of how he was able to make this TV show at HBO. I'm a huge HBO fan, like The Wire, The Leftovers, The Six Feet Under, some of my favorite shows of all time. Uh, so I asked him just like offhandedly, you know, let's just assume we wanted to make this as a TV show at HBO. What would that look like? And he said, oh, it'd be very easy. We go across the street and we meet with them and I tell them I want that to be my next project and we make it my next project. <laughs> so I'm going into this meeting not knowing what to expect. So I just kind of sit there and I let I, I follow Craig's lead and he launches into a pitch for the story for, for the executives that are in the room. And then I'm like, okay, do I jump in? Do I help out? I was like, what if I don't? What if I just lean back in my chair and watch someone else pitch the story that I've pitched a million times? And I'm finding that he's going through it beat by beat. And first I'm impressed just how well he knows it. I'm being moved by a story that has become so rote to me at that point because I've I've told this pitch so many times and I'm, I'm, I'm paying attention to this emotional reaction I'm having. And again, I feel the passion this guy has for the material. And then he finishes the pitch and then uh, Casey stands up and he's like, well, Craig, I told you whatever your next project is has to make you float. This is clearly it. And they turn to me and he's like, it was a pleasure meeting you. Let's make this show. And we all shake hands right then and there. And then we're off to the races making this TV show. Let's talk about the cold open. And uh, Dr. Newman, you're also an epidemiologist. I presume the prospect of a viral pandemic keeps you up at night as well. No. No? No. All right, well, that's our show. (laughs) (laughs) No, mankind has been at war with the virus from the start. Sometimes millions of people die as in an actual war, but in the end, we always win. Uh, But uh, just to be clear, you, you do think microorganisms pose a threat? Oh, in the most dire terms. Bacteria? No. You like saying no? Yes. (laughs) Not bacteria, not viruses, so... Fungus. Yes, that's the usual response. Fungi seem harmless enough. Many species know otherwise, because there are some fungi who seek not to kill, but to control. Who came up with the idea of doing this? It was Craig. Okay. When you pitched that to him, are you going... Well, I pitched it twice. Okay. (laughs) I pitched it twice. (laughs) The first time I pitched it, he was like, eh, or we can, you know, we can do the video because there's this great video. You can see it on YouTube. It's planet earth. You can watch this beautiful demonstration of how cordyceps works, how it takes over an ant. It's quite horrifying and it tells you everything you need to know. So what we had decided to do was make our own little video like that, which is interesting, but not necessarily compelling. It was a bit of an intellectual argument. Okay. You're being kind. It was kind of boring. (laughs) (laughs) It was a little boring. It was a little boring. It was a little boring to watch. And it was a little bit like, oh, we're in social studies class. And I had written this thing actually like early, early, early as if I had found a transcript of an old Dick Cavett from 1969. And I remember showing it to Neil and he was like, it was a little weird. (laughs) And then we, we go make the whole show and we're about, I don't know, three or four weeks away from rapping. And I'm like, dude, I am not thrilled with this opening. And so I sent it to him again. And this time he was like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> seeing the final version, seeing it edited, I loved it. As a fan, it catches you off guard and and, and already signals to you everything you think you know about this, right. you don't know about this. Yeah. And and I thought it achieved what we were trying to achieve with that other opening in a much more effective, 
dramatized way that starts giving you clues or like theories of like, maybe this is how it started. We're not saying definitively, but this is a pretty good theory. Yes. Because then you're going to these like, quote unquote, mundane moments with the Miller family. And this elevated all those scenes because now because of that opening, there's a tension that's just like hanging in the air. So when they're having breakfast, it's tense. When they're driving to school, it's tense. When she's in that watch shop, everything became more tense and more captivating because of this opening. You contextualized it. Yeah. Yeah. And there was also a chance to address the elephant in the global room, which is we all just went through a viral pandemic. Mm. And I thought it was important to say to people, we are not a show that's asking you to share some of your own personal horror about the viral pandemic with us. We're not drafting off of it. We're here to tell you there's actually something much worse. That viral pandemics uh, will happen again. They have happened before. There will be millions of people who will die again. This is part of the natural cycle of the planet. But what has not happened yet is a fungal pandemic. And if it does, it is, we're, we're not making that up. It's going to be terrible and possibly unrecoverable because fungi are far more complicated and far more integrated into the life and death cycle of the earth than viruses are. So <clears throat> we wanted to sort of acknowledge that everybody went through this and then dig in a little underneath it and say, sorry to tell you, but uh, there's something worse behind it. Viruses can make us ill, but fungi can alter our very minds. There's a fungus that infects insects, gets inside an ant, for example, travels through its circulatory system to the ant's brain and then floods it with hallucinogens, thus bending the ant's mind to its will. Because you're making this for two audiences, right? There's, mm -hmm. there's two people that are sitting down and, and watching this. People, people who have played play the game, people, people who haven't. haven't. Right. So this feels like... It's taking the people that have no idea what the story is about and, and helping to contextualize what the story is really about. But then also saying to the people who have played the game. Get ready. Yeah. 